co-founder and co-editor and your host for today's episode. In recent years, the role of deep learning has really been a game changer in many areas, including pattern recognition, computer vision, AI research, and of course, uh, increasingly in industry. So despite the fact that there are many of these frameworks, uh, there's really a lack of comprehensible and easy to use, higher level tools for designing, training, and testing so with that in mind, today we'll talk about Barista. Uh, this is an open source graphical high-level interface for the CAFE framework. Here to talk about this is one of its creators, Soren Klim from the University of Munster in Germany. Hi Soren, thanks for taking time today. Hello Nicole, uh, thank, thanks to you for uh, yeah, having the chance to talk about Barista. Absolutely. So let's maybe start off with your background. What led you to looking at deep learning and seeing the opportunity and saying, we really need to be able to interface with these things better. Well, I'm um, currently a PhD student um, at the Pattern Recognition Image Analysis Group. And nowadays, most of the things we do, we at least have to compare to approaches that use machine learning and deep learning um, to segment images, to track uh, objects in videos, and uh, to categorize data. And yeah, so we spend lots of time trying to uh, develop new uh, network topologies to solve our problems. And what we found uh, recently is that uh, most of the time we spend is trying to hack that topologies into text files and trying to get it running and uh, creating lots of uh, faults and errors. And uh, yeah, we wanted to have a tool that makes this easier to quickly change topologies and uh, to have an easy way to check if what we thought of is uh, really doing what we wanted to do. And yeah, so we started, um, so we, we sorry, uh, so we started uh, developing that uh, graphical user interface. Okay. And, and for right now, it's just CAFE that you're doing this for, correct? Yes, exactly. At the moment, it's just CAFE. That's because uh, that's the framework we have been using for the last two years. Uh, but we are really uh, starting to making up our minds how to uh, support other frameworks like TensorFlow and Theano and Torch. So I think pretty much everyone who is into that deep learning stuff knows the, uh, the other frameworks. And uh, yeah, quite recently, you have uh, actually um, um, broadcasted a podcast uh, from the Neural Networks Exchange format, and now we are uh, making up our minds how we could support that as well to have as broad a library as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Uh, to remind readers what that is, that's that's an effort that's underway from Kronos Group to try to bring together efforts so that these things are more portable. Uh, I, I'm glad I'm glad to hear somebody's involved with that. I since we've since we published that podcast, we actually got a lot of feedback. Wow, I didn't know about this. So, so that's great. Um, so let's talk about some of the challenges of, of layering um, high-level interfaces on top of neural networks. When Whenever you do that in other areas, there's usually some kind of overhead or price to be paid for, for taking a higher-level approach. So what's kind of the give and take here? What are the challenges? What are some of the unanswered questions and problems with doing things this way? Well, I think... Um, the biggest problem you have is, of course, that you, you, you lose some of the flexibility you usually have with designing those networks. So there might be a certain kind of neural network layers that we can't support at the current stage. Or if some library introduces some new stuff, um, it might take a while to be able to support it. Uh, so that's 
I would say, the, the biggest thing you would have to keep in mind. Um, apart from that, we are really trying to keep it as broad as possible and as configurable as possible to uh, get all the, um, yeah, all the things you can use with at least Cafe for now um, that you have at the original library as well. Mm -hmm. What are some other efforts that are out there that are similar to what you're doing? And I, I, I know that there have been a lot of attempts to add higher level interfaces to some of these deep learning frameworks, but give us a sense of the landscape for people that aren't familiar. You know, what, what tools are out there uh, if they're not ready to go ultra low level out of the gate? I would say the, the most known frameworks are, of course, NVIDIA Digits, which is uh, also trying to uh, give you a graphical user interface, which is browser-based, and it allows you to train networks on remote servers, so you can have multiple sessions in parallel and stuff like this. Um, and another example would be, for example, the TensorBoard that comes with uh, TensorFlow from Google, which gives you a nice uh, graphical display of how your networks look like and how data is passed through the network and how activations are uh, at the moment for certain uh, training samples and stuff like this. Um, however, uh, one thing that we've missed for all those frameworks that are around is that you can't or that you don't really have a good way to edit the network topology itself. For example, in NVIDIA, you have lots of tools to supervise the training, to look at the errors, to look at activations and stuff like this. However, you still have to put in a text file that defines how your neural net looks like. And that's exactly what we, what we wanted to do because that's what we do most of the time, trying to find new topologies that solves our problems as good as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine one of the complexities of doing this uh, in general would be just adjusting for all of the many uh, hyperparameters that are out there. So how do you go about technically developing a high-level tool for something that really requires a lot of um, tuning and specialization? Yes, yeah, so right now there are two ways we're trying to follow for that one. Um, at first, we've now, uh, with the version that's currently released, we have a network support, so we can run multiple instances of training um, on multiple machines and multiple GPUs at the same time. So that would allow us to have multiple parameter sets being tested in parallel, and we can see the results uh, in real time. So that makes things a bit easier. And that's currently working. And now the next step for us would be to uh, do something like rich search for hyperparameters and uh, having a batch processing so we can automatically scan multiple sets of parameters. And uh, yeah, finally, we are now working on some visualization techniques so we can actually supervise how the activation functions uh, are, are run for certain data sets, uh, how the loss evolves over time, how uh, even the, the error surface around the current parameter hyperspace will look like. And uh, yeah, we hope that this is um, actually uh, very, very helpful for designing new networks. Mm -hmm. The visualization component of, of neural network development, and maybe this is just me skipping over it, but that seems like kind of a newer area. What can you tell me about uh, visualization? Where does this fit in? Yeah, exactly. This is quite a new area. So the visualization part, I think it was approached by the first groups like two years ago, and now you see more and more publications and papers trying to visualize certain areas of the 
of the neural networks. Um, so uh, I think one of the first papers was uh, published in 2014 and was by Silent Fergus, and they were visualizing the uh, weight parameters of convolutional neural nets, nets and you could see uh, really interesting things like how uh, the, the weights evolve, so you can see certain kinds, certain parts of uh, objects you want to detect. For example, if you build a detector for cars, you could see like tires and um, windows and things like this. Um, however, that's uh, not useful for all um, for all problems you want to solve. So um, yeah, now you can have a look at uh, visualize how the training evolves. So if um, you have activations for every neuron you have in the network, um, what we have discovered uh, uh, recently or in the last year is that sometimes you have like almost half of the neurons not firing at all through your training or through your inference stage. And so we want to visualize that as well to see if we are really using all of the network or if we could cut uh, parts down or if we have to increase certain layers to add another neuron or to add another layer, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, so this is all available. Uh, we'll, we'll make a link here to where people can go to find out more. But this is all based on Python, is that right? Um, yeah. Um, at the moment, it's all based on Python, and uh, we want, uh, for now, at least the GUI to be in in Python for the next months or for the next year. Uh, however, we have to uh, say that uh, that we are we are currently developing the project, and there might be lots of changes in the next months and in the next year because that's uh, the whole project is run as a student project in big parts. So uh, what's happening at our university is that we have um, a student project every semester where you have like a dozen students who are working at a software project on their own. And all that we as a PhD student or our group leader is doing is uh, that we give some support, that we show way ahead, where we want to go, and we give some advice. and. Uh, try to provide some ideas what you what you will need to uh, get a good training running and then it's uh, with the students to to develop parts of the software to um, to make changes to the graphical user interface to um, write new um, um, plugins to for example um, have a better visualization and stuff so um, yeah it's not like we have we have a proper plan where we will be in one year so we are not like a company that is that has milestones uh, set, and we we don't really know where we will end up in one year. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we are pretty much going with the flow, and then uh, yeah, we will see where we end up. Right, uh, I I see a real commercial opportunity for anybody that's that's throwing a higher level interface on top of, especially things like TensorFlow and and some of these other frameworks too. It it really seems like uh, we're kind of at that point in the hype cycle anyway, where. <laughs> you know, everyone is being forced into at least giving it a try with whatever data they have on site. <laughs> and yes, and they can't yes. afford to go hire the limited number of experts in, in deep learning framework development, right? Yeah, that's that that's true. Um so yeah I can I can also imagine that there might be some commercial interest with the rest of it. For now we are not planning anything like this. So it's really a research project. Mm -hmm. And um yeah we have to we have to make sure that oh yeah, we have to state really clearly that uh, Barista will not do the job for you when it comes to finding the correct network or to find good <laughs> topologies. Um, mm -hmm. So you really, you still need to know how neural networks work and how certain layers 
um, um, do act on on the data itself. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not a tool where you can throw the data at and then you get out a good result. No, um, you still have to do the the thinking work on your own. Um, I however, don't think that exists. <laughs> Yeah, I actually yeah, don't exactly. anywhere, whether it's a hyperparameter hyper tuning automatically and, and some of these other things, there's this, there's this sense that there should be some sort of magical tool, right, that does all of it. But there's no way a lot of this can happen because of the inherent complexity. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, as you said, there is lots of research going on, especially for the hyperparameter tuning and uh, how to how to define good topologies, how to define the depth of a network or the width of a network. And uh, well, as soon as publications come out, we can see if we could build some heuristics into Barista as well. So you could at least get a hint where to go, or where to start from. That might be that might be really good. And maybe in five or six years, um, you will have a tool that you just show your database and it says like, yeah, you need like network C and then add another layer and then you should get pretty good results. That would be mm -hmm. really awesome if it would work like this. Right, maybe eventually. So what else are you and your teams up to there? It looks like you have numerous deep learning development uh, efforts underway. So what's exciting to all of you there from an R&D perspective? Um, well, we are uh, very involved in uh, biological and medical image segmentation. So we are trying to segment organs from MRTs, uh, MRI scans, sorry, um, or we are trying to track animals in the wild, or trying to track larvae in their uh, in their growing habitat and stuff like this. And we, yeah, well, we are we are seeing ourselves as some kind of service department for for other um, departments that try to. Uh, solve real-world problems, biological problems, medical problems, maybe physical problems as well. And uh, yeah, then we we try as well to to get some deeper insights into uh, how machine learning works. And it's we are not only doing uh, deep learning and uh, neural networks. We are also doing something like classical pattern recognition, image analysis, and using other machine learning methods like random forests and support vector machines. And um, yeah, so. Uh, as, as you said, uh, right now, if you want to publish a paper or if you want to uh, show your results to other teams, what you have to do at least is compare yourself to some deep learning approach. Um, so, yeah, we have to do this more often now than we had to do it like two or three years ago. Um, and, yeah, maybe we have to do it even more in the, in the next years. But, um, yeah. Do you have a, a proper hardware environment there on site at, at, at your university there that you can run a lot of these algorithms and have them accelerated by GPUs? Or are you running this on whatever resources you can get from the standard scientific computing uh, gear that you have on site? Um, yeah, we have, we have um, two or three uh, clusters from the university that we can use um, if we have to do like really big number crunching. Um, but we are what we are also relying on is uh, two workstations that we have in the group and on our own and we have direct access to. So uh, the way it works usually at the moment for us is that we have a first look at the data, we develop some designs, we develop some methods and then we give it a first shot on our own machines and see if it looks like the training is going to run well. And uh, then if we think that it's... Uh, yeah, if, if we think that it might work, then we do the big number crunching on the cluster, which um, yeah, currently in uh, Münster only has a few GPUs, um, 
but uh, yeah, lots of CPUs as you would expect, and even some uh, C on Phi uh, co-processors. Um, but now we are uh, we are hoping that we will get uh, a new GPU cluster in the next year, which will provide us with around 100 uh, GPUs where we can really do parallel processing on it. So there's now we're now starting to to do uh, projects with uh, yeah with our IT department. Um, to see how we can get involved or how we can make it easier to access the cluster uh, hardware, especially from Barista. So, yeah, if we are lucky, then in the next year we will get really good um, um, device sharing capabilities in there as well. Mm -hmm. Do you, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, we didn't talk about this in <laughs> advance, but do you have any insights about uh, deep learning workloads running on Xeon Phi? And I'm not sure if that's Knight's landing or the the offload model base one uh the the original xeon phi um but do you have any thoughts there um um actually we have we have both both models so we have the knight's mill and the knight's landing um you don't you don't have knight's mill <laughs> nobody has that oh okay then uh, what, what what was the one before before knight's landing at knight's quarter so that was that was the original xeon phi oh, yeah yeah true. yeah okay so uh yeah you, you see we don't <laughs> We don't work a lot with it. Um, <laughs> however, um, however, yeah, we have them available. And uh, for example, there is a cafe version that is uh, um, that is built by Intel, and it's uh, actually using the Xeon Phi mm -hmm. processors. Right. Um, um, so yeah, we we were using them um, at some point for doing the big number crunching thing. Um, yeah. However, now, as I said, we are now. Um, Again, shopping for for GPUs because yeah, that's really where everyone is going, and that's where you get lots of the libraries for. Uh, and we don't want to do the library development. We are relying on the Understood. Uh, well, Soren and Clem, thank you so much for talking to us today from the University of Munster in Germany about Barista, your tool for designing and training networks. Well, thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity. And everyone, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye-bye.